Hello and welcome. You are listening to The Investor Lab, the auditory epicenter for passionate people seeking a life of freedom, choice, and abundance. And on today's show, we're digging into some investor stories, more specifically, the story of Dane and Lauren. Now, they are actually Dashdot clients and also passionate Investor Lab listeners, but they've got a pretty cool story because if we talk about, uh, you know, they're, they're both in their early 30s and they're young professionals and they've got all that kind of normal life stuff going on. Dane has 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 built some properties, sold some properties, went from four properties down to two. And, and in fact, just in the last month or so, they've doubled their property portfolio, which is really fascinating. So for anyone who has been sitting on the sidelines and maybe, you know, sitting on their hands thinking, I'll get to it later, this is a really great and instructive episode of what happens when you can build up some momentum and Anyone who's maybe thinking, oh, look, you know, I'm, I'm just getting started. I don't know what I'm doing. This is also, also awesome. They've got a great story. We cover a lot of ground. We talk about the challenges they faced, specifically finance. Um, we talked about things like why buying uh, less expensive properties isn't, doesn't need, mean necessarily buying bad properties and all of that kind of stuff. So action-packed episode, loads of good takeaways, loads of good nuggets. I know you're going to love it. So without any further ado, let's get stuck into it. And I look forward to seeing you on the inside. Hey guys, welcome back to the Investor Lab. Joining me today are a young power couple investors that have been absolutely crushing it. They've bought a couple of properties just in the last few months, while so many other people have been sitting on their hands and doing nothing because of the, all the coronavirus. These guys have been taking action and they've been buying some absolute absolute screamers, some rippers. Their names are Dane and Lauren, and I'm, I'm, I'm absolutely honored to know these guys, and it's a real pleasure to have you guys on the show. Dane, Lauren, how are you? Good, thanks. How are you doing? Yeah, fantastic. Fantastic. So um, you guys have been listening to the podcast for a little while, uh, you know, so you guys have got a bit of a vibe on, on what we're all about here. What I want to do is I want to dig into, into your story to, because of what I tend to find is that it's all well and good for me to be able to talk about all these real estate ideas and concepts and stuff like that. But what is really impactful is when other people hear where, how somebody else has gone about, about doing it. So I'd love for you guys to share with the audience a bit about like where, tell, tell us a little bit about you guys. What do you do? Where do you live? How old are you? Give us a bit of context around who Dane and Lauren are. <laughs> okay. Um, so I'm Dane. I'm 30. Um, I'm a manager at a building company. It's actually a family business. Before that, I was a carpenter. And so I've been in like the housing game for a long time. You go. Yeah. Um, I'm 28 and I'm a lawyer and I haven't had any properties until just this past year. So it's pretty exciting. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. Okay. So, so you've just started. So Lauren, you've just started. This is like your first foray into property investing, right? Yeah. But Dane, right, full disclosure for people listening, Dane and Lauren are actually clients of ours and they came to work with us. But it's not like they, you guys didn't come to us to buy your first property. But Dane, you'd already bought properties before, hadn't you? Yeah. So I actually built my first house through the family business back in 2012. Um, I was the carpenter on that, built it, grew massive equity in it, um, built it with my sister actually. We lived in it for a few years she didn't help though. Yeah, she didn't really help at all. She <laughs> helped pay the mortgage. Um, but that was that was a good property. And then after that, I built an investment property a couple of years later, I think in 2015. Um, 
that's up the Sunshine Coast and has had a bit of growth, but just not the kind of growth that I wanted. Um, interesting, interesting, interesting. I want to dig into these a little bit more. So the one in 2012 that you built, where did you build that? That was actually in the same area on the Sunshine Coast. Okay, whereabouts? What suburb? What's the- uh, Mountain Creek. Mountain Creek. Yeah, okay. a, little, um, a little estate called Brightwater. Okay, so why do you think and, – and so the first one, the one you built in 2012, you said you, you manufactured equity in that one or did you get market so, growth? So, so we, we built that and sat on it for a couple of years, but we got in right when the estate opened and then right. – so we got in early and then kind of rode the wave up and because it's such a – it was just a hot area and I think that the land prices in there skyrocketed kind of, so so we were able to get some equity out of that. How, how, many, how many other properties are in the, the estate – Oh, I wish I could tell you. I feel like a couple of hundred. It wasn't tons of property, so it was a kind of smaller estate. Yeah. Okay. So there was still a little bit of constrained supply there. So it wasn't like some huge, big, you know, greenfield kind of yeah. development. Or yeah, it was. It was just a small estate and very close to like you know Malulabar, not too far from Ruchidor. It was yeah. just yeah, just the right spot and kind of the right time that we got in. Well, I- why was it that you built there? Like, why was that the first spot that you picked? Because where do you, you live in Brisbane, right? Well, at the time I was living on the Sunshine Coast. I've only moved to Brisbane since since Lauren and I got together. So, okay, cool. Um, right, we'll, we'll work up to that point in the chronology, right? So, so okay, so you lived on the Sunshine Coast. Why did you buy in that? Why did you buy in that pocket? Was it just because it was in your own backyard? Did you do any research? What was? No, the- it was in our own backyard. Um, like I said, our family business, we were already building in that area. So I just had the money to do it. And and my dad actually pushed me into buying my first property, my sister's second property. And we just thought, why not? Let's do it. So yeah, got our foot in the door and that was the start. Great. Awesome. Okay. So 2012, you met, you got lucky. We'll just say you got lucky, right? You bought the right, you happened to buy at the right place at the right time and bit right. Yep. Cool. That's good. Then And then you thought, well, oh, that worked out pretty well. I'll do it again. Yeah, I thought, well, you know, an investment property, why not? So same area, same area. Did you expect you were going to get the same results? Um, not quite the same results. Bought, what was it? It was like three years later. Um, bought <laughs> at the time of the the opportunity come up to buy the the land. I said, oh, let me just think about it. Spent three months thinking about it, and then purchased. I think it ended up costing me an extra fifty grand for the land. Why? Because the market had moved that much or what was yeah, the Yeah, it was just that particular estate had just was booming so hard at that point that land prices skyrocketed and I paid through the arse for it. Um, How much did you pay for the land out of curiosity? Do you remember? I think I think it went from two two thirty or two forty to like two seventy or two eighty. Yeah. So like it it wasn't crazy expensive but it was definitely expensive for a block got it i mean the house i got a deal on the house because family business um i've had my auntie doing property management because she owns a company that does that it's i mean it's been a smooth ride but it just it hasn't had the growth that i would have liked over this that time period Mm, interesting. So, quick question for you because you're a building manager, you've, you've got a family construction company and all that kind of stuff. For people that are thinking about uh, building, what is what is the average cost to build uh, a house? Let's say a three-bedroom, a three-bedroom, two-bathroom house, pretty stock oh, standard something. 
So <laughs> the average finish, average, just average, 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 everything. Average. I'm. I hate to say numbers because I don't personally know. Yeah. I'm not in the sales side, but I yep. feel like it's between anywhere from two to three hundred. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. Cool. Yep. No, that's good. It's good to give people an idea because I think a lot of people think about this, not necessarily, all right, I'm going to go buy a house and land package, but maybe like, okay, I'm going to subdivide and build a house on the back. What's the kind of cost to build a house? And yeah. from, from mine, obviously it depends on the area. This is one of the, one of the big things that I've noticed massively depends on the area. Like builders in Victoria cost different to builders in South Australia. And yeah. you, know, you guys in Queensland are a little bit different again and all of that kind of <laughs> stuff. So um, kind of, kind of where, what I tend to look at is, is try shoot for around about a $215,000 uh, build price but obviously it's going to depend on heaps of different stuff yeah it depends on the size of the house what finishes you got to exactly is it a custom build is it off the rack you know all of that kind of stuff all right cool so we're up to property number two has that one has that one come good i mean that was that was five years ago now has it come good at all that was actually doing all right up until we started purchasing with dash dot um that property was it had just come that it was positively geared so it was covering itself I actually, that may be a lie. I think I was dropping maybe fifty bucks a month into it to keep it yeah. keep it good. Um, but then since then we've we've touched the equity and now it's back in the red. Got it. Okay. All right. Cool. Got it. Okay. So when did you guys meet? Oh, when did we meet? Actually, twenty sixteen. Twenty sixteen. Yeah, our anniversary is coming up in a couple of days. Yeah. Um, Congratulations. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. We both went over to Croatia and ended up on the same boat doing Sail Croatia and just, yeah, hit it off. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Lauren, look, big big move. Did you, like, what made you, did you really, like, just meet this guy and think I'm going to chase him all the way to Australia? Is that what happened? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. So we, so we spent that week together and then Dane kept traveling and he, the plan was, was for him to pop into Canada on his way back to Australia. Just pop in. Just a casual yeah, pop yeah, over. Um, so, yeah. So then it was about like a couple months later and he came over for a week and stayed. I was living with my parents at the time and stayed with my family for a week, um, which I was extremely nervous about. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah no, you're straight in there, right? I'm, I'm like, hey, I've just met you. Can I come and stay with your parents for a while? No, <laughs> yeah, cool. Initially, I was asking to stay for a month. So <laughs> <laughs> Classic. Yep. I, I considered pulling the plug like five times happened. <laughs> but um yeah and then so we did we did a year of long distance I came and visited Australia Dane because he was um, working as a carpenter at the time he could like take off time more easily than I could so he came to visit Canada I maybe came over like three times yeah Yep. One, one of those times I came over for a weekend. <laughs> so it was 24 hours travel with like 48 hours of relaxing. Yeah. Which was nice. Like, yeah. Plenty of relaxing in 48 hours, <laughs> I'm sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah. And then I moved over. I was planning on going to law school. So I was looking at different law schools to go to. Um, my plan originally was to go to the UK, but then I was looking at there's no Dane. There's no Danes in the in the UK. Yeah, so, <laughs> yes, yeah. and I ended up at Bond on the Gold Coast, um, and then we spent a year with me living on the Gold Coast. Dane was on Sunshine Coast, and then yep. we met in the middle and moved into our place now. Awesome, yeah. awesome. Okay, so the property you live in now 
Is that property number three in the portfolio? Uh, or is that prop? Where does that fit? No. So I, I built a in the meantime, um, sold the first property that I owned, um, built another principal place of residence in the same estate. So just love the area. Um, lived in that for a while, rented out all the rooms. Whereabouts, whereabouts was that? In the same state, but Queensland's quite a big state. Sorry, in the same estate. So right. Crikey. Estate, yeah, Mountain Creek. Wow, uh, sensitivity risk. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so okay. just, I mean, it kind of worked twice before, so I was like, all right, I'm just going to do it again. Fair enough. Um, to me, up until kind of listening to your podcast, it was just like a property is a property, can't go wrong, just, just do it. Yeah. It was either that or the money sitting in my bank account. And so I just thought, well, I'll just spend it on as long as it's a house, I can't go wrong. So built that place, lived in it for a while, rented rooms to friends, um, then ended up moving out, living with my parents for a while, still renting it out, then sold it. That's when we bought this place. Um, so this is technically property number four. Okay, so this is technically property number four, but before yeah. now I know you've just made two new purchases, but we'll park them for the minute. So this yeah. is property number four, and but how many properties at that stage did you actually hold? Was it only two? Because you'd sold. Okay, okay so I, I'm because I I agree. Like prior to me starting on this journey, I actually remember having a conversation with my my business partner. This is years ago. Yeah, and we we had the same impression about property. We're like. Property just doubles every seven to 10 years, right? All we need to do is just buy any property, any, literally just any property. It doesn't matter yeah. as long as it's a yeah, apartment, house, anywhere, like whatever, it doesn't matter. And so we, that's we literally what we thought the what the thought the go was, as long as you just put your money in, can't go wrong with bricks and mortar, right? Yeah, um, yeah. So your strategy up to that point, was there any strategy or like, because why were you selling houses? Why weren't you holding them if they were performing well? What was the, why, uh, why did you think that that was a good idea? Cause you went from four to two instead of having four and now you only got two. Yeah. So, well, so for the first one that I built uh, with my sister, she really wanted to sell because she wanted to go and build her own principal place of residence once, okay, yep. you know, in her own house. Yep. Um, so we sold that, took our money either way. Um, then she went and built her place. I went and built my own place because I've always been told, you know, buy a house, live in it for 12 months, sell it, don't pay capital gains. And then that's how you make the biggest right. chance of money, which isn't completely wrong, but it's just, I don't think it's the right strategy for me personally. I like, I like the way that Dashdot does it with buy and hold and, you know, long-term growth and all the rest. Yeah. Um, so that, that's kind of what I was doing. In terms of investment properties, it was just a matter of I was told that negatively gearing was good. And mm. at that point in time, with the money that I was making being, being my own boss as a carpenter, it actually was kind of helping. It was helping. I mean, negatively gearing works when it works, but it's, I don't think that it's the best strategy, at least for me anyway. Yeah, negative, negative, there's nothing like negative gearing is just a thing, right? It's neither good or bad. It yeah. serves a function. If you want to reduce tax, negative gearing is great. Yeah. The problem, the problem is it, it doesn't necessarily correlate with wanting to build a bigger portfolio. And that's, exactly. you know, if you want to save some tax, cool. Negative gearing is great. You want to build a bigger portfolio, maybe negative gearing is not, so, not, not such a correlating you know, yeah. kind, of thing, kind of thing to do. Okay, so up until this, up until this point, what was the goal? Did you have any goal? Like, why were you, why were you investing in property? 
my goal was essentially like I did want to grow my portfolio. That's pretty much it. I wanted to grow my portfolio. I wanted to eventually get off the tools and have income without having to work for it, you know? <laughs> so I okay. feel like that's everyone's goal at the end of the day. Yeah, work less, make more. Sounds good. <laughs> okay, cool. So okay, so so then you guys got this um, PPR in Brizzy. Yeah. And so that was property number four, but you currently got two. Yeah. What what was the trigger for for and now you guys are starting to invest together rather than just staying you're doing it on your own. So yeah. so how did how did that change your goal? Because if I'm assuming having been a a, a young single male on the tools you're kind of like doing things just because a whole bunch of other stuff and then actually your priorities can change yeah so so how did how did the how did the priority of why you're investing change when you guys started thinking about how we're going to do this together because i know that you've got plans to like move to canada and have families and all this kind of stuff so what was the where what was the function difference in what you were seeking to do why didn't you just keep doing the same thing well i feel like it's just because there is that potential that we're going to move to Canada eventually. So we wanted to make sure that, because if we stay in Australia, we've got, like I said, family business, it's doing great. Like I'll be, I'll do fine. Lauren's in a lawyer career. Her, her career path is, you know, skyrocketing. Um, <laughs> don't all face. Um, like we'll be doing fine. But, but if we do move to Canada, then it's a potential of, you know, we want to get a solid base here so that we do have some income and we've got, you know, properties that worst case scenario, if we needed to sell them for money, then that that's going to be something we can do. It's just more uncertain if we move to Canada. We just don't know where we'll be at. So if we can get enough of a base, then it'll be good. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Awesome. So Lauren, did you ever thought about real estate investing before you met Dane? I did actually. There was a time when... I was kind of like, I was saving for a while and I didn't really know what I was saving for. I was just like putting money aside. And then I was thinking I would either buy a property or go to law school and it ended up being law school. So I didn't have really anything to invest with, but um, yeah, so it was kind of in my mind, but I think Dane and I were maybe raised a bit differently where my parents we're focused on me getting a good, like having a good education and then focusing on like a career as an employee, which is, I think, different from Dane's family's perspective, which is more like, I don't know, wealth growing yeah. than just focusing on like working hard in a career, um, yeah. which doesn't necessarily mean the same, I don't know, have the same result. So my parents weren't really pushing me to invest. I know Dane's parents were pushing him to invest from like an early age. Um, and then for us, when, now that we're de facto, I guess, and we can use both of our incomes, once I got a job after law school, it meant that Dane was able to do more. And then I just was able to like piggyback onto his ideas. (laughs) Good ideas, I hope. Yeah. 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 Great. Awesome. Okay, cool. So. How, like, Lauren, how do you feel about uh, about real estate investing now? Is it still just something that you're like, okay, cool, I, I think it's a good idea? Or like, where do you see this going going for you? Um, I think I'm, I'm like, completely into it now. Um, yeah, I hadn't really done much research into it. Just thought, yeah, passively, it's a good idea. I should get involved. But now being in it, I'm, like, really 
motivated to keep going and awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. That's cool. So what do you think the biggest challenge that you guys have faced in terms of like wanting to grow your property portfolio? So Dane had kind of gone through this phase of like build, sell and do all this kind of stuff and a little bit of activity, but without any real clear overarching strategy. Then then you guys have gone, okay, let's go and do this together. What has been the biggest challenge you've had to face in order to continue to grow your portfolio? Oh, there's There's probably two parts to it. One is finance. Finance always seems to be, it's it's not, we're not having troubles now because now that we've, you know, talked with Dashdot, you kind of helped us figure out what we're doing. Um, but before that, it was just finding the right, right area, the right property, trying to get something going because we, prior to talking to Dashdot, we actually were looking around Brisbane, yeah. which is not a terrible area, but just the prices are already so high that it's like we trying to find a property that we could renovate and flip, but also make money on for under a million dollars was almost impossible. Yeah. Like it's just, I think we were looking at properties that were like 700,000 and we're like, Oh, that's probably a good move because it's in a nice area. And if we touch it up a bit, it'll be good. So we really didn't have any, no, we didn't have any like target. We were just looking everywhere and yeah. Yeah. And, and we were in the same boat as a lot of it, my friends, which is you consider, you know that you want to do something, but you never actually pull the trigger because you're not 100% sure. And then next thing you know, it's been, you know, for us it was maybe three to six months, but it can be 12, year, uh, 12 months, two years, and then it's been a couple of years and you're like, why didn't I just fucking do something back then? Yeah. Yeah, I think this is one of the biggest traps that I see a lot of people make is that, uh, it's the it's a passive delaying. It's not necessarily no no no. It's it's oh, I'll I'll get I'll get back to it in a minute. I'll get back to it in a minute. I'll I'll have a little think about that. And and what yeah. happens is that time stretches. Time stretches very very fast. All of a sudden it's like ah oh, Christmas is coming up. I oh, hang on a second. Oh, it's, it's nearly my birthday. And, ah, you know, there's life gets in the way, and all of a sudden it can be it can be years. Like I, I've spoken to people who it has. You said you kind of slip of the tongue said twelve years. I've spoken to people where it has been 12 years yeah, and, I've right. actually, and I've actually said to them, like I was talking to a guy the other day and he had a few properties in his portfolio. I can't remember how many, like four, four or five, right? So he's not like a, you know, he's, he's, he's kind of done a bit, but he literally hadn't bought a property for, I think it was maybe like 12, 15, 15 years. And I said, that's, dude, that's a really long time. That is a big gap. So I think he bought four or five, like one a year for four or five years. Yeah. And then nothing for let's say fifteen years. I was like, dude, that's a really long time. Why? Like, what? What's the go with the gap? And he just said, I, I just kind of like just got busy and just never got back to it. And yeah. now he's kicking himself because you know now he's obviously significantly older. Now he's in his forties, and yeah. he's going. Oh, if I if I just actually kept a bit of momentum up, my life would be massively different. And I actually. I actually asked him, I said, how different do you think your life would be right now if you'd kept up that momentum? And he said, well, I wouldn't be working anymore. And now he's, now he's in his 40s going, I'm going to have to work for at least another 10 years. Yeah. And, and it's a huge difference. And maintaining that momentum is, is, is key. So, all right, cool. So tell us a little bit about like what, tell us a little bit about, well, obviously we've helped you buy a property, but you bought two properties this year. We haven't, you've bought one yourself, which is awesome. What's that? Tell us a little bit about them and, and, in contrast to what you've done in the past? Well, okay. Um, 
Oh, I don't even know. You, you go. <laughs> All right. So, so let's so let's let's break let's break it down a little bit. So, the properties you bought in the past, what was the general price point? What was the general yields? And you know, like you, you've been building in estates and all of that kind of stuff. So, we're sort of I think we've gone to a different end of the spectrum, a complete strategic shift. Well, yeah. So, so the the original properties that I was buying was probably I think they're in the like five to six hundred thousand dollar range. Like they they weren't cheap. Um, the yields. I th- actually, I think my investment property I've paid four, four eighty to five hundred, and I was getting a five twenty dollar return. So it was covering the mortgage, but then you've got you know your rates, your just everything else on top, which yep. obviously pushed it over the line. Um, the rest of all we in PPRs, so I've I've been paying them off myself and renting yep. out rooms, and you know it helps when you've got a lot of rooms. Like my my second home. I was renting out, you know, four rooms, which was great income. Um, but then you're living with a heap of people in essentially a share house and it's it's a nightmare. <laughs> um, but now buying through Dashdot, we're buying lower end of the market, a lot cheaper, but the rental yields are still, they're not as high, but they're, no, sorry, the yields are high. The dollar amounts are not as high, but it, it works. Relative. Yeah, relative. So what? Okay, so so what would you say then in terms of because a lot of people think that by buying a cheaper property, you're buying junk. You're just buying absolute dives and you're buying crappy quality properties yeah. and stuff. Yeah. Having yeah. having gone on both ends of the spectrum, having sort of you know like four four eighty purchase price, five hundred purchase price is not is not upper end of the spectrum. But you're worth looking at and thinking about how do we buy these like seven hundred thousand to a million dollar properties and touch them up a bit, as you said, Lauren. How, so you've kind of looked at that end of the spectrum. You've bought in the middle end of the spectrum, and now and and you've now bought on the in the lower end in the in two hundreds. What would you say to someone who who might think, okay, by buying a cheaper property, I'm going to be buying junk? What would you say to that? Um, I'd say rethink it. <laughs> Why? Because <laughs> it's they are great property. Like it obviously comes down to the area as well as the property itself. So there's no reason to spend more if you can get better returns and essentially better properties at a cheaper price. And then by buying cheaper, you can also buy more, more often. Yeah. And without, by having the yields a little higher as well, that allows you to keep that serviceability up. What were you going to say, Lauren? Um, oh, I, I showed my family and my friends the photos of the place that we got. And everyone said that it's like, oh, it's so cute and clean and like nice. So no one's looked at it and thought, oh, that is shit. Yeah. Oh my god. Oh yeah. Cool. You bought a crack den. No, 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 no. So, no everyone had really good things to say about it. So, it's totally, so totally. So you bought one now. You're you're in a, you're in contract for a second one right now. <laughs> for a little bit of context for for people who are listening to this and, and all that kind of stuff. They're brick. They're you know they are they are brick, aren't they? They're both brick. Yeah. Yeah, so they're, they're good quality brick. They've been renovated, good condition inside, good land size, all of that kind of stuff, good yields. So ostensibly, you know, you're attracting pretty good tenants. And you guys, on the property that you settled on recently, by the time that it, we had a big surprise with that one, didn't we? Didn't we? we thought it was going to be 6.2% yield at the start. And by the end, by the time it settled, it was 7.4. Yeah. Yeah, it was, it was massive. I, you guys have predicted, I think, a 310 to three hundred and twenty dollar a week rent, and we ended up getting three fifty a week. So, yeah, like 
which is a massive shift. That's a huge. That's a huge shift. Yeah, I just about crap my pants. When I that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm glad that you didn't quite do that. So that's good. <laughs> awesome. Okay, so when so you got this other property under contract, and that's awesome. So you've now that's basically going to be two properties in the space of what's that about? Just over a month. <laughs> two prop two properties in just over a month. Okay. Crikey, that's I don't even thought about that. That's pretty good. Okay, so when so prior to that, when did when was the last purchase that you made though? Uh, that would have been this place, which was two years ago. Crikey. Okay, so there's been a bit of a gap, and then you've pretty much you're going to double your because you had two properties in. You're going to double your portfolio in a month. Yeah, <laughs> that's not bad. That's, that is that is that is pretty good going. Okay, so what's the goal then? What's the, where are you going to go after that? Now that you've you're going to have two cracking properties. That you can now, uh, you can add granny flats to both of those properties too to increase the yield, which is awesome. That's right. Yeah. You know, so you've got huge value add potential. Rents are going up. It's in a good growth area, good quality assets with the ability to add granny flats to both of them. So you've got two cash cows sitting there, which is awesome. Yeah. So what are you going to do after that? Well, that's the question that we have for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough. Well, what's the goal? Like, you know, now that Lauren, now that you're working as a lawyer and you guys are kind of getting bedded in now and you're getting a bit of momentum up, what's the goal? Where do you see yourself going? Is the goal to get, you know, 200 properties or is it get to, what, what is the goal for you? When, when, when will you know that you've succeeded in real estate investing? I feel like we're just going to end up like, we're going to keep going as long as we can. Yeah. Um, I, yeah. That's, I think what we've already been talking about before this one's even settled is like, what can we do to get the next one? How do we figure out our like financing to get that? And yeah, just keep it going. So yeah, we just want to keep the ball rolling. Um, I don't think there's like, realistically, we'd like to be able to replace our incomes and never, never have to work another day. But at the same time, it's like, I don't think we're ever going to stop investing because it's, it's kind of fun. It's almost like a game in that you can just keep going and it's it's a hobby that's making money. So yeah. why would you yeah. ever stop? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it, it's good. They say business is an intellectual sport, and I think um, I think real estate is a is a financial sport. You know, yeah. like it, it's a it's a game of finance with a few houses thrown in the mix. And yeah. and if you can get that right, you can, it's constantly you got to just game it. And you'd be like, mm, okay, how can I crack that? How can I win that? And how can I get around there? I don't think it's super fun. Obviously, I think it's fun. That's why that's why we do it. So. <laughs> Um, what advice would you have for somebody else who's who's maybe in a similar position, or somebody else who maybe has been sitting on the sidelines? Uh, you, you know, because you were you were saying like a lot of people get lost in their in in they lose momentum. So, what would you say to someone who's maybe been thinking, "Oh, I should, I really should do that," but oh, I just haven't got around to it. Now that you guys are getting a little mo- bit of momentum, what advice would you have for someone like that? My advice would just be: a, go for it. Don't don't put it off. Put your head into it and and get going. Um, second of all, listen to the Investor Lab podcast because for me the biggest thing is I lose momentum because I I just get bored of it. I guess I I I can't keep myself on track. But by finding someone who is motivated and listening to what I should be doing and how I should be doing it, it it gets me motivated, gets me keen, and then and then I end up making moves. And just by listening to the podcast alone, that's really like helped push us along. Mm-hmm. Mm. I think that's a really interesting point because it can be a pretty lonely road. Like everyone's pretty, you're pretty isolated in it, I think. And 
you know, a lot of people tend, tend not to talk about building wealth. Like it's not something, a lot of people kind of keep it behind closed doors and yeah. they don't want to be like, a lot of people don't want to shout about the fact, oh my God, I just bought more investment properties. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's, we really feel that. Like yeah. I, there's been, sometimes I don't want to tell my family because I feel like I don't want to like rub it into certain people and then friends and coworkers. And it's just like, it's kind of feels like something that I have to keep to myself and yeah. then we can celebrate it amongst ourselves. Yeah. It's like, it's a little bit taboo, which is so weird, isn't it? Yeah, yeah it really is. It feels awkward to talk about. Cause it's, I guess it's just like tooting your own horn and being like, Oh, look at me. And yeah. I, it's, no, but, it, but it's not, yeah. it's, it's, it's celebrating. It's like, Hey, like, you know, if you won a soccer game, let's just say, let's say you played soccer, right. And you won the grand final. Right. And then you went around to your mate's house for a barbecue or something like that. You'd probably be like, Hey, what have you been doing? Dude, I just won the grand final. Woo. Yeah. And everyone would say, that's great. (laughs) You're probably less likely to say, yeah, dude, I just crushed it. Doubled my portfolio in the last month. You know, like you might, but it's going to, you're going to be pretty selective around who you're going to say that to, which is, which is, I find really fascinating. And that's one of the things that I'm really passionate about trying to, to break apart. I think the more that we can talk about this, the more that we can normalize wealth building, the more that we can normalize all of our own pursuits for, you know, more freedom, more choice, more abundance and all of that kind of stuff. I think the more we're going to encourage other people to do it because you, you can inspire other people by just saying, Hey, I just did this. And they go, how did you do that? How did yeah. you, how did you manage to do that? How could I do that? And it changes the game. You can change somebody else's life, you know, which is yeah. pretty awesome. But I think you're right. It, 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 it's a pretty lonely road though because a lot of people don't talk about it. You know, a lot of people, you often don't have anybody else to talk to about it. It's the same kind of in business too where you, you, there is – it can be – pretty isolating so it's cool that it's cool that you guys have got each other and you guys got to be in a momentum going now so yeah, yeah nice yeah, excited. awesome sweet guys well it's been an absolute pleasure having you uh on the show and sharing your story i think it's really fascinating that you've doubled your portfolio so quickly and that you've gone through a few different phases in that journey as well and i'm excited to see you guys continue to absolutely crush it maybe let's check in in a year and see how how far you've gotten in, in, a, in a year's time. We'll do another episode then. How's yeah, that sound? Love to. Sounds good. Awesome. Sounds good, guys. Thanks heaps for being on the show. I really appreciate it. No worries. Thanks. Thanks.